0: And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family, shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska Athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp.
1: Thank you. Welcome to the program. It's our monthly sit-down with the athletic director for the University of Nebraska, Bill Moose. And we want to have your thoughts and engagements with our athletic director here. The numbers, you want to be a part of the program, 531-500-4686. You can dial up that number or fire off a text on our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Bill, another, another show and another uh, where the virus is certainly still uh, causing havoc. How have things been going as far as testing and keeping your student-athletes safe over the last couple of weeks?
2: Well, yeah. Hi, Greg. It's it's good to see you or, or hear you. I don't get to see you very often <laughs> anymore, but uh, uh, things are good uh, in regards to our our uh, testing, uh, again, our staff does a fabulous job um, and it's so very well organized. Uh, and, and, you know, I urge our Nebraskans everywhere to be careful, wear masks, uh, uh, get tested when need be, quarantine when need be. Let's get this thing behind us. It looks like uh, there may be vaccines uh, available shortly. Um, we' we've got to be very cautious and smart as we continue through uh, the the rest of this calendar year and probably on into some of uh 2021 but right here uh, with nebraska athletics things are going well uh we've we've had some positive tests in a variety of our sports but we've been able to address those through our protocol and i uh, feel real good about it
1: Well, Saturday was an uplifting day for all Husker Nation as the football team able to post a victory over Penn State. Uh, Your thoughts about that game, and and how surreal was it for you to show up at Memorial Stadium and just not have the throng of fans kind of in and around the area?
2: Well, that was different, and we knew it was going to be different, Greg. But, uh, again, I applaud our staff. Uh, Just did a fabulous job. We've played on the road. Twice, um, And so this, uh, of course, was our home opener when, uh, in, in a lot of cases, would be the, uh, the last home game mm-hmm. of a season. So uh, we were ready, again, uh, over 6,000 um, cutouts of fans, and uh, uh, I thought that our, our actual in-game music and, and all the things that we did were as good as I've seen so far and uh hey the scoreboard looked right at the end of the day too
1: (laughs) sure did you you did some different things you had a second screen that you implemented for this home game how did that seem to go over with your fans
2: well from what i'm hearing they really enjoyed that and and uh uh, we tried to get it as close to a, uh, a normal situation as we could and uh, you've seen down through the tunnel walk, and uh, again, the, the uh, fan cutouts that we had in the stadium, and uh, when we brought the uh, uh, marching band and the spirit groups onto the screens. Really, really uh, I thought that we uh, really were very innovative in a lot of those things, and, and uh, I can't imagine it being any better. And we get to do it again this Saturday. The cutouts looked pretty amazing
1: and that you had a bit of a breeze Saturday. And so they were kind of moving back and forth, almost like they were performing the
2: wave for you. That was kind of cool. Well, especially on the north side where the wind yeah. was hitting them and they were, they were uh, moving in, in the wind. And it did look like fans were uh, enthusiastically cheering on the Huskers. Uh, and it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful uh, fall football Saturday. And uh, again, I thought we played very well and, in many respects. And I, I know we're continue to improve and it's good to have a, a, win under our belts and you can always build off a win. It's hard to build off anything, uh, after a loss and, uh, morale wise and, and all those things are always better, uh, after a win. And I'm, I know that's how our coaches are treating it, uh, this week and, uh, no time to rest. We're, We've got another uh, tough game against uh, an Illinois team that that uh, played us very tough last year, and they're coming off a win as well at Rutgers. So um should be interesting. Very good.
1: Bill, Muth, Bill Moose with us until the top of the hour. If you want to be a part of it, we would love to have you on board, 5 3 1- Five hundred forty-six eighty-six with either a call or a text. If you call us up, it would be on our Sports Hotly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. I believe you ended up with over 6,000 of those cutouts inside Memorial Stadium. That is just amazing to have that. As you mentioned with the, the virus, it's it's really kind of gotten bad. The numbers have really been on the uptick around the state of Nebraska. It's going to prevent you as at least initially, I know from having fans at your basketball games coming up here in a few weeks. and But the semester's about to be over. You're going to be sending students home here in a few days, and I think all in all that would be a success to get all your student body th- through one semester of school on campus. I think that would be a real win for, for everybody around here.
2: Well, it really is, Greg, and and uh, I, I applaud, again, larger than just athletics, but throughout the entire campus and really the the uh, the whole system Uh, the leadership has been uh, phenomenal and and uh, people have have done a good job of doing their part in regards to trying to control it Um, this virus is spiking throughout the country and and in the state of nebraska as well and so we all do need to be careful but uh we we're wrapping up a semester um we uh are are very, very pleased with a lot of the academic successes that we're gonna talk about, hopefully uh, on the program tonight. But um, this is a little bit different because we'll have everything all done by, um, by Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and uh, be um, heading into uh, uh, Black Friday and, and have our, our uh, uh, finals finished. And then we have uh, a bit of a off time Uh, which should lend itself to the basketball piece where uh, there won't be any other students on campus or very few. And uh, we can can uh, really focus on getting basketball ready. And we should have a schedule, Greg, by uh, later this evening, uh, uh, certainly by tomorrow. And um, we can can go forward. I know it's been very frustrating for many and uh, we we again, are having a, a, a different format this year with a 20 game uh, men's basketball schedule that will be complemented with uh, seven non-conference games. And all of this should be revealed uh, later, today or tomorrow. Good.
1: Well, I know people have been waiting anxiously for that to come along. So, uh, in fact, that was one of our questions on our text line from Dale and Hastings. He wanted to get an update on that. So, uh, there you go, Dale. He just answered your question there. Well, not only did you have the, the football game last week, where well, your fans were certainly excited to watch and listen to the Huskers play Penn State. And, by the way, um, a little chest pumping here from our end, the TuneIn app, which a lot of people have on their smartphones uh, Nebraska for the second straight week had the most listeners of any college football fan base in America. And I know that doesn't surprise you at all, but we're certainly oh. proud to have that many people listening to Matt and I on on Saturdays. That, that just tells you that they have such a burning passion from coast to coast, heck, worldwide for, for Huskers. But you had a volleyball scrimmage last week that you streamed, and you got amazing numbers to watch your volleyball team just go through a, a
2: red-white scrimmage. Well, and again, that doesn't surprise me either. Uh, It's, it's, it's amazing what um, we had, uh, gosh, 9,000 fans watching, uh, (laughs) which is, is, is incredible, but not surprising. And incidentally, it's not surprising that our football game had the most listeners in college football, because we do that when we're, when Memorial (laughs) stadium is packed. Right. Uh, It, uh, And again, as you mentioned, it shows it shows the passionate uh, and the passion that our fans have. So uh, we're very excited about volleyball, as you well know, Um, and we are going to be uh, competing in the spring. Uh, We just had the number one um, uh, recruiting class announced in the country. Uh, Our roster uh, just is full of number one, number two, number three, top 10 uh, uh, prospects uh, through, you know, the, the various recruiting years, and this year is no exception, maybe the best that we've ever had. So it doesn't surprise me that we um, had uh, the, the fans uh, watching the uh, red-white scrimmage, and uh, I know they'd love to be, and hopefully we can have them uh, in Devaney when we start playing for real.
1: Yeah, that'll be in late January. You mentioned that volleyball recruiting class, just phenomenal. I don't know that anybody, any program in any sport did what what John Cook and that staff announced last week. In fact, last week was a pretty good week for Husker Athletics as far as signing uh, future student-athletes, Bill. Basketball had some really good news. You mentioned volleyball, baseball, I think put together a pretty good class. you got to be excited about what your coaches are getting done on the recruiting trail in a lot of those sports.
2: Well, you're, you're a spot on volleyball with the best recruiting class in history. Uh, women's basketball, top 25 class mm-hmm. baseball, top 30 men's basketball got a five-star recruit. And I believe that's the uh, first one uh, in history. And he is something special to complement that recruiting class. So, um, it's not easy, Greg, because we're not able to bring these prospects onto campus. our coaches aren't being aren't able to go to uh, home visits. It's all being done with uh, with zoom and and virtually across the board uh, and we're just doing an outstanding job and and uh, this is such a special campus and, and a, a, a great community. It sells itself, but I got to hand it to our coaches who are selling Nebraska without having the luxury of bringing them to campus to see the whole big picture uh, in person. So it's very excited about these recruiting classes.
1: Brett and Columbus on our text line, you had asked about Bryce McGowan. So there you go, Bill. Talked about Bryce being the first five star. Uh, basketball the player to ever sign with nebraska it's really big news let's go to pick off a phone call here for bill adam in south sioux city welcome to the program you're on with bill moose
3: hey bill nice to talk to you this evening uh, hope you're doing well and i first of all i gotta say thanks for leading our athletic pro- program you can see how the trajectory we're on and without COVID, with COVID or or without um, really really proud of, to say that i'm a nebraska fan right now but my question to you is, uh, you know, Scott Frost is always really hard on himself, and he said at a press conference that, you know, nobody's more disappointed in how long this has taken than him, and, and he puts a lot of pressure on himself. How's his psyche been, and, and have you seen that? Have you had many conversations with him about the, the process, and and, and how's, he, how's he holding up?
2: Well, Scott's holding up fine, and, and uh, certainly after this big win we had Saturday, and uh we he's excited about the progression we're making um he uh he, we we've all had patience and uh coaches generally don't have as much patience sometimes as others but um we, we're building this this football program uh, right. And I've said it many times. The foundation is solid. We've had a couple of very good recruiting classes. Uh, our recruiting in football is going extremely well. Uh, you're seeing the uh, talent uh, that that, especially in, in some of the skilled positions, uh, especially on defense, where uh, that looked like the black shirts on Saturday and rallying to the ball and uh, breaking up passes. uh pressuring the quarterback stopping the run uh, really really pleased with that and I know Scott is and his coaches uh, I I feel that uh, um, he feels good about the direction we're going and we're about a year away I he's he's told me and I meet with Scott every week and um, just maybe for 30 minutes usually on thursday or friday just to get his feel for the week of practice and then we talk about the future and the new facility and scheduling and those types of things and i know he feels very very good about where we're headed and and uh and 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 what we've got and and what we're hopefully going to have in regards to players
1: greg trapp along with Bill Moose and- The numbers, if you want to be a part of the show, 531-500-4686. That's either with a call or a text. Back to our text line. John in Omaha for you, Bill. Any update on the groundbreaking for the new athletic facility?
2: Well, uh, not not, um, anything new. We still are hoping to have our design work done here shortly. And by shortly, I mean by the end of this month. And... uh, be ready to put a shovel in the ground, hopefully uh, late spring and early summer. So basically that would delay the project by exactly 12 months. And we would, uh, with the revised schedule, be able to uh, occupy the building in uh, July, probably June or July of 2023. So uh, it's a gorgeous uh, design, very functional uh jaw-dropping and what it has to offer and uh, telling the great story of the uh, legacy and tradition and history of nebraska football and um, really really excited i think it's going to be a a real asset not just for our football program but uh, for all of our sports who are going to benefit from it
1: Fantastic. All right. Back to the text again. Bill, will alcohol sales be considered at Memorial Stadium next year due to due to the economic impact of the virus?
2: No, there's no plans on alcohol. Uh, we're really not considering that right now. Uh, and I'm not saying that uh, uh, years down the road it might not happen, but in the immediate future, there's no discussion right now.
1: Okay, very good. Another one for you. Is the football team's move to the west sideline during home games a permanent one?
2: No, I think the plan is just just for this year and uh, that we will go back over onto the east side next year when everything hopefully gets back to normal. Okay. That's that's caused a stir. I mean, that's crazy. Something like that might do that, but that's Husker Nation (laughs) for you. They they
1: love that kind of topic.
2: (laughs) Hey, try, try changing the hot dogs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that almost got an athletic director fired. Was that Bill Byrne? Yeah, it was my friend Bill Byrne, and yeah. they went back to those red hot dogs fast.
1: <laughs> he learned his lesson. Yep. Carla on her Carla on her text line for you. Billy said uh, she noticed the Big Ten commissioner was at the Michigan Wisconsin game. Any plans for the commissioner to attend a Husker game?
2: I uh, am not aware of any at this point, uh, but that doesn't mean that that m- might not be a possibility. But uh, we're, we're running out of opportunities. So, yeah. uh, of course, we, we had the Wisconsin game canceled. We've played Penn State. We have Illinois this week and then just our, uh, our, our closer with Minnesota. So, uh, typically, a commissioner would get around to uh, a campus for a game uh, but we're, we're limited, obviously, in the number of games that we're going to have with just eight. So uh, he's not going to be able to get just everywhere. So he's always welcome. I hope he can, but uh, uh, I don't expect it unless we hear something fairly soon. Okay, very good. Let's uh, let's get a
1: caller in here next. Let's go to Plattsburgh, Drew. You're up with Bill Moose. Good evening.
3: Hey, how's it going, Mr. Moose? Uh- my question is in regards to the Big Big Ten Conference and just kind of their inconsistencies in regards to the different sports and the scheduling. So baseball, it sounds like we're doing conference only. Um, but basketball, they're allowing seven non-conference games and they're letting seven teams fly into Lincoln, um, it sounds like. But then a couple of weeks ago, we couldn't have UT Chattanooga come in despite the fact that they were following all the testing protocols. So I guess what's the thought process between behind each of these sports where some they're allowing the non-conference games to take place and some that they're not. So uh, I'll just hang up and uh, listen to your response. Thank you.
2: Well, that that is frustrating, and and, um, um, especially uh, when we uh, took a run at getting a non-conference game in football here to replace our Wisconsin uh, home game that was canceled. Um, and we will stick to that now that there won't be, as, as uh, was proclaimed, uh, that will not be addressed again throughout the football season for any games that may be canceled. Um, the basketball situation, which I mentioned earlier in the program tonight, is not completely finished, but we are going to be able to have a non-conference competition Uh, But the testing is going to have to be consistent in regards to uh, those non-conference opponents. So it's very, very strict. And um, the feeling was uh, uh, among the uh, the athletic directors and and the medical committees that we'd be okay as long as that testing was followed. But as we start to get into the rest of our sports, volleyball had already committed – to a conference only uh, schedule. Uh, And again, to protect our footprint uh, with this virus, uh, we are going to 70% of uh, total competitions, it looks like in all of our uh, Olympic sports. And uh, again, because of uh, the testing protocol, the costs involved, and pretty much following the uh, percentage that we're using in football, and uh, and to some degree also in men's and women's basketball. So uh, it's for protection purposes. Uh, it's also for cost containment, um, and uh, uh, and of course the uppermost, as I mentioned, the safety and well-being of the student athletes themselves.
1: So is 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 it locked in for baseball and softball to be conference only, or is that still de- still being thrown around and debated?
2: I think we'll have an answer on that and confirmation hopefully tomorrow on our two hour athletic directors call, uh, with the big 10.
1: Very good. Let's go back to the phones for bill. Let's head up to Omaha. Howard. Good evening. You're up with Bill Moose.
0: Good evening, Bill. Uh, and every Greg, uh, you guys are doing a terrific job. Go big red time to get game number two, the big win against the orange and blue Saturday against lovey. So, uh, we got to get that going for sure. But, uh, uh, Bill, I got a couple questions. Do you know yet on the crossover games, December 19th, will they be played like an in Indianapolis, Detroit, or, or Minneapolis? And my next question would be I saw where UCLA and Cal got a chance to play a football game, even though their opponents couldn't field a team. Will there ever be a situation like that still within this regular truncated season for teams in the Big Ten? I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts and go Big Red again.
2: Well, thank you, Howard. Um, uh, y- yes, on, um, on, on the uh, uh, prospects of two schools playing each other if their opponents uh, had to cancel. Uh, We are in a position to do that uh, very much like uh, Cal and UCLA, and we'll see how that plays out. Hopefully it doesn't have to. Um, In regards to the Week 9 games, um, we are exploring uh, uh, dome stadiums uh, that uh, NFL teams play in. Uh, and, and that should be shored up here shortly, maybe even as, as soon as this week. Uh, but there's still the off chance that we could be playing them on, on a campus venues. So uh, we're fast approaching uh, that week. <laughs> this, things are going very fast. So uh, we hope to have some answers on that in, in the not-too-distant future.
0: the nebraska basketball radio show right here on the husker sports network here's kevin cross scrambles for the loose ball off the green mist Thor with a three bang a ring for garbionesson with a trio his second of the afternoon an inside look at what's going on around nebraska basketball watts has it poked away by way drago of all people down the board ivan and the dunk and the huskers with a four to nothing run and it's 48 to 45 with the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. Rebound by Green. Green down the floor with a pass. With it is Curtis. Quick pass to Thor. One arm's a pass to Green. He drives. He kicks. Thor is three on the way. Got it! Thor, Thor Garnison! A
3: God of Thunder nails it, and the Huskers are back to within one.
0: Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now, here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp.
1: Thank you. Welcome to our first
0: show of this
1: 2020-2021 Husker basketball season, the Big Red. Been at it for over a month, practicing since October the 14th as they get ready to start this season, which we're still uncertain about, hoping to get that schedule at any moment from the Huskers as they embark on a very odd, strange 2020 season because of COVID-19. If you want to be a part of the program tonight with a coach, you can either call us or send us a text, 531-546-86. That is our Sports Nightly hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is... Woodhouse. We welcome the head coach on to the program tonight. Great to have you here. I am so excited about this upcoming season and I listening to you on Monday
4: it sounds like you're you're equally excited about this group. I am excited Greg. First of all great to be back with you again. I wish we could do it in studio together but you know in the times we're living in uh, getting to do this from home I guess I get it but I am. I'm very excited about this group. We've got a a, a group of guys that love to compete, Greg, and and that's where it starts. If you have a group that loves to play, uh, they're all in the gym right now, getting extra work in. Uh, They're always coming back in. We've got an off day tomorrow. I can promise you every single one of them will be in the gym at least once, uh, probably twice. So, you know, it reminds me a little bit, Greg, of the group that we had at Iowa State that was always in the gym. And that's a great way to build chemistry together. They can hold each other accountable. Uh, If you're not in there, they let you know about it. And when you have a group like that, that can lead as players uh, in the locker room and look at each other in the eye and hold each other accountable, uh, that certainly gives you a leg up. So uh, we're excited to get out there. I mean, I'll I'll say this, we're sick of beating on each other. Normally (laughs) we would have had an exhibition game by now and we, we would have had an opportunity to scrimmage a team where you can put a lot of different situations in there, uh, get out in front of uh, a, a real game experience. Obviously, I don't think we'll have fans, at least at the start of the season, uh, but, you know, not to have that game experience against other players, uh, you know, has been a little bit difficult, but, you know, we're all in the same boat and everybody's starting the same way, uh, but we are ready to get out and compete against other people. Uh, It's been a long time, you know, going all the way back into June and July when we got started with our group when the NCAA cleared individual workouts. Uh, So we've been going at it for a while now. Uh, We feel very fortunate with everything that's gone on. We have stayed away uh, pretty much for the most part from the coronavirus. We've had two of our players uh, that have had it, Uh, but for the most part, we've, uh, we've done a good job. Our players have made the right decisions, made the right choices and hopefully that will continue on Uh, it is a little bit of a scary time there's no doubt about that with the numbers increasing and where this thing is going Uh, but hopefully our guys will keep making the right choices uh, and we can get through the season uh, without a hitch are you in i mean you almost have to anticipate
1: hiccups with this right i mean we've certainly seen it with football in the fall games getting postponed canceled moved around do you anticipate some of that and how do is there any way to prepare for that type of thing
4: well, you, you, uh, the thing that I just keep stressing to our guys is we're going to worry about the things that we can control, and that's going out every day and working hard and, and preparing ourselves as if we're going to play a full season. Uh, reality, will something happen over the course of the season? Of course it will. Uh, you've seen it happen to a lot of football programs early in the season. Uh, you read a lot about different programs that are shut down right now in basketball. Our teams that have had to take two-week breaks uh, You know, when it's running through their team, uh, you know, we are prepared for it. Obviously, uh, we have a game plan in place if something does happen where we do have to quarantine or shut down. Uh, but, you know, right now we're just worried about getting ourselves prepared for our first game, which will be next Wednesday. Let's let's introduce the folks to some of this team. You do
1: have a lot of new faces, but let's start with with the ones that they would remember from last year with Ivan and Thor update us on, on how those two have been playing in
4: practice for you. Yeah, they they were the last two to arrive on campus with the restrictions from international travel. And, you know, we were thankful when we got them. And and the fact that those were the two guys that had experience in the system a year ago uh, was helpful. They came in. They did a great job of keeping themselves in shape. Uh, Thor in Iceland and and Ivan in France, Uh, you'll you'll barely recognize Ivan with the weight uh, that he's dropped. Uh, He's more explosive. He did a really good job uh, working on his body when he did go back home. And uh, he's a more confident player this year. And, you know, the the best thing when you look at Ivan, the experience he got as a freshman banging around with the best bigs in the country uh, was invaluable for him. You know, I can't remember who said this, but the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. And, you know, Ivan having that experience in year one, just really based on the makeup of our roster, uh, is something he'll look back on that was very beneficial for his career. Uh, Thor is just like he he was last year for us. He's just Mr. Reliable. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a guy that will be on the floor a lot for us. Uh, You know, still shooting the ball very well. Uh, A guy that's always in the right position defensively. Uh, A guy that can make plays on the floor. He fits in perfectly with our positionless offense uh and you know he's really been a stabilizing force uh for the new guys as they continue to learn uh the system as we put it in and implement it so uh both those guys will play key key roles on our team this year i've committed the first turnover of the year i should have thrown a
1: call into this discussion as well because he played for you last year but but he is not going to play for you this year correct
4: yeah, and that's very rare for you, Greg, to have a turnover. You're, you're generally uh, very safe. Um, but yeah, uh, Cole, is, uh, he did have a knee procedure uh, about a week and a half ago now, and uh, everything went well. So hopefully we, uh, he'll have a full recovery uh, in a speedy recovery, but it was a procedure that will force him to miss the entire season. Mm, okay. Well, hopefully he, he bounces back from that. I know
1: he's really been a good teammate for a lot of those guys in that program. So let's go to the next batch guys that were here a year ago, but couldn't play. And that would be Delano, Shamil and Derek. Uh, tell the folks about them and how, how have they, and they've got to be really chomping at the bit to play again.
4: Yeah, they, they really are. And, you know, we had multiple conversations last year where I bring the three of them up in my office, or we talk after a shoot around uh, after they'd get in extra work on the floor just about how quickly it would go and how important it was uh, to continue to do the right things because their time will come and it's going to be here before they know it. And here we are. And that's exactly what it is. And talking to all three of those guys, uh, it went extremely fast. And, you know, here they are uh, ready to go out after sitting a year, which is tough, Uh, you know, to not have any game action and not get that timing uh, you know, not get that feel and the butterflies before a game. So, uh, you know, the fact that they missed a full year, uh, you know, it's tough to get back into that groove right away. But I'm confident in all three of those guys. Delano is a really good playmaker. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about him with his size. There's just not a lot of guys that play his position uh, that are six eight, almost six nine, uh, with that type of length. And playmaking ability uh shamil is just a he's a pit bull he's strong he's 6'6 about 245 uh, can play multiple positions uh you know he can even play in one of our front court uh, positions when we go small uh, and then derek is a guy that gives us experience uh, on the front line and you know he played in a great program under rick barnes uh, at tennessee uh, has ncaa experience and, uh, you know, guy that can really finish around the basket. So uh, we're looking forward to all three of those guys getting back on the floor this year. And with, with, with those guys, you added length and size and
1: bulk. Not some, Shamil's not so tall, but he's, he's thick. He's, he, he's, he eats a little bit of space for you. Just those three guys. You had, that had to be torture for you to walk down toward the end of the bench during games last year and see those guys in street clothes and go, man, how much different would we, we look at those three guys out on the court for you?
4: Yeah, it it is, Greg. And, you know, it's, it's actually a pretty similar blueprint to what we did when we took over at Iowa State is we we took some high level transfers that we knew would have an impact on our program, uh, which was tough. But at the same time, uh, you know, you see what they can do and what they can offer and how they'll fit in that following year. And we certainly had that year two at Iowa State with Royce White, Chris Babb, Chris Allen and Anthony Booker, uh, two of which played in the NBA. Uh, The other two played key roles on our team uh and we feel really good about these guys coming in and making an impact and i think they fit in well uh greg with the other players with thor with ivan and then with the newcomers that we'll talk about here in a minute
1: yeah let's get into that group now and we'll need to get a break in here soon but i do want to ask you about kobe webster he's the the graduate transfer from western illinois you seem to be pretty impressed with him and the leadership capabilities that he's going to add to this team tell the folks about kobe
4: Yeah, I've been really impressed with Kobe. He, you know, first of all, from, like you said, Greg, a leadership standpoint, you need guys that have the experience and have been through it. And, uh, you know, he's been a starter for three years and played both guard positions. He can play with the ball in his hands. Uh, He's also a guy that plays off the ball because of his ability to shoot. Uh, He's another guy that's got a very high basketball IQ, very smart. Uh, You know, he's, he's in the right spots. You don't have to tell him things twice. Uh, he understands what we're trying to do out there on the floor, and he does a solid job making simple plays. Uh, so, you know, again, we love floor spacers and guys that can make shots. He's good off the dribble as well. So, you know, Kobe's another guy that I think will, uh, you know, will play a major role on this team. Okay. Next on my list is Teddy Allen, who, who
1: spent some time in the Omaha area growing up, Boys Town, and then has gone to a couple different places, was out of the junior college in western Nebraska a year ago. Uh, it sounds like, and I saw a quote from you earlier in the week that you had a scrimmage last week where he put 29 points on the board for you. Talk about Teddy and, and the ability he has to score.
4: Yeah, it, it, you know, his nickname's Teddy Buckets, and he <laughs> got that when he was at West Virginia in, in his freshman year. Uh, you know, a guy that scored 14 points against Villanova in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, Teddy is he's just a natural scorer of the basketball, and he almost makes tough shots more than he makes wide-open ones. Uh, he's a really crafty finisher in the paint. He, he has a knack of, of drawing contact, getting himself to the free throw line. Uh, but he's a guy that averaged almost 30 points uh, per game last year in junior college. Obviously, a completely different level uh, where he's going to be playing this year. But you know, with his ability to score it and, and score from all three areas, he can post, he can he score out the dribble, uh, and he certainly can uh, uh, shoot the three, uh, you know, he, he puts a lot of pressure uh, on the opposing defense.
1: Then next, uh, as I go down through this group, you get Trey McGowan's a transfer from Pitt and got good news when you got him eligible immediately. I'm sure he was excited to learn that because at one point I thought maybe he would have to sit out this year. Describe Trey's game to us.
4: Yeah, re- really. We were really excited when we got the good news uh, from the NCAA that Trey would be eligible this year. He, he's, he's a two-way player, Greg. He's, he's a guy that can really guard. Uh, he led the ACC in steals. Uh, his sophomore year, uh, he's a guy that averaged double figures both years at University of Pittsburgh. Uh, his freshman and sophomore year, uh, he's another guy that can play with the ball in his hands and uh, and off the ball. An explosive athlete, uh, great anticipation, good feet. Uh, so yeah, we're we're really excited about Trey and uh, what he will bring to our team. And we'll talk more about the McGowan's family coming up a little bit later on
1: with the coach. It is our first basketball show of the year. The Huskers about a week away from starting up the 2020-2021 basketball campaign. Husker Nation, I have a couple of texts I want to get to. Lat Mayans next on my list, and I'm really intrigued by this young guy, particularly after hearing some things you've said about him. Tell the folks about
4: Lat. Uh, he's, he's been awesome. Um, I, the thing I, I love about Laz is just how hard he plays. He, he's a guy last year at Chipola Community College that averaged almost a double-double, uh, shot over 40% from the three-point line, has high major experience starting his career at TCU. Uh, he just plays so hard. He cuts hard. Uh, he does a lot of little things uh, for the team. He's been our leading defensive rebounder in practice uh, to this point. And he can really stretch the floor. Uh, you know, I'm excited about the, the versatility of this team, Greg, uh, because we have multiple guys that can make shots. And, you know, Lat maybe is as good as any of them. So uh, I've just loved everything about the kid. He's uh, always in the gym. He gets there. We practice generally. We'll get in the weight room at about eight. Uh, start practice at nine and he's never there past uh, before seven o'clock he's always there at seven o'clock so getting in extra work getting in shots uh, you know he's in there Kobe Webster's in there Trey McGowan's uh, all those guys are in there an hour before uh, we get rolling so just a tremendous work ethic Uh, but his ability to stretch the floor is going to allow us to play a lot of different lineups and, and I'm really excited about that then I want to get I to your, freshmen. Get your freshman, and, and Eduardo Andres was
1: maybe the latest. He was the latest addition. You had a 6'10 center, and then Elijah Wood. What
4: about the, the kids in the program? Eduardo, uh, he comes from England, and he's a guy that is pretty new to the game. Uh, just started playing about four four years ago, and uh, really intriguing, Greg. He's, uh, he's 6'11". He's got almost a 7'5", 7'4 half wingspan uh he's a guy that can protect the rim we, you know we didn't have much of that uh, a year ago he's uh he's getting better every time we step on the practice floor uh good good motor and uh, uh a guy that can really uh, get up around the rim and finish so uh, i'm excited about his future and uh, elijah is is a guy another <clears throat> you know guy that <clears throat> excuse me as a freshman you come in wide-eyed a lot of times you come in uh, you know, a little bit intimidated. You're going up against stronger, more athletic players than you ever have. Uh, you know, it was a little bit of a struggle for him early, but he's another kid that's made great progress. Uh, he's a guy that is shooting the ball much better as of late. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, he shot the ball as well as anybody on our team. So, uh, you know, a guy that can, pl- another player that's got good size that can play with the ball in his hands and also play off the ball. So I think he fits well uh, with what we do. Um, you know, going into this. Uh, year, uh, you know, with a lot of experience in front of him, uh, it's a great opportunity to learn and uh, and see what's out there and be ready if his name is called. But, uh, you know, again, another guy that has made really good progress and really good strides. Very good. There's a look at
1: your scholarship Huskers for this 2020-2021 season for Coach Hoyberg. All right, let's get some texts in. These folks have been piling up on me here, but I wanted to get through that roster first. Uh, first text up for you, what's been the biggest surprise considering all the new and different pieces you have on
4: this team? Well, it's, that's a great question. I, I, I'll say this, I've, I've been, uh, I don't know if anything has surprised me. Uh, you know, the thing, as I talked about when we first opened up the show, is just how much our guys love to compete uh, it's fun. It's really fun to be around these these players. Uh, they want to learn. They're coachable. Being in a film session, uh, you know, you never know exactly how they're going to accept coaching. Uh, these guys are eye contact. Yes, sir. Uh, no, sir. Uh, you know, we're, we're very. They're very engaged. Uh, we have a lot of interaction in the film room. Uh, you know, it's it's all about getting better and accountability. Uh, and these guys have been phenomenal with that and have carried things over. Uh, that's the other thing when we do struggle in certain areas, which you, when time you go out and play, uh, your first scrimmage, your second scrimmage, there's a lot of things to work on and the things that we're stressing in our film sessions, uh, that we're putting an emphasis on for the day or for the week, uh, generally they've gone out and made big improvements. Uh, so that's been the thing I've liked most, the competitiveness and the coachability of this group. All right. Very good. Mark up next on our text line,
1: are the games next week for the tournament going to be televised?
4: I believe so, Greg. Uh, st- we're still tr- trying to figure out exactly uh, who's playing at what time. Uh, you know, I think we'll play early on that first day, which uh, we're hopeful will be on one of the networks. Uh, after that, we just don't know yet, Greg. Hopefully, we'll get our schedule. I think we're confident to get our non-conference schedule out tomorrow, uh, and then hopefully we'll get our Big Ten schedule shortly thereafter. Uh, but as far as what the times. And the TV schedules—it'll uh, probably be a little bit closer to game time before we know that. How challenging/slash
1: maddening has it been to try to piece this thing together over the last two months?
4: Well, it, it is a challenge, but again, the, the thing about it is we're all on—we're uh, all in the same boat on this thing. It's not like one team has an advantage over another with recruiting or practice hours or uh, different testing protocols. Uh, at least in our league, you know, everybody's under the same uh, testing procedure, which is a daily antigen test. Um, but, you know, I, I, I feel good about our direction. You know, Greg, I know we'll get to the recruits here in a minute. But, uh, you know, we've been able to make great strides uh, with our program in the future of where everything is headed uh, with the addition of the three that we've got coming in. And also a Trevor Lakes, who will sit out this year, who can absolutely shoot the cover off the ball, uh, transfer from Division II uh, school, University of Indianapolis. Uh, So even though we've not been able to get on the road, we've not been able to bring kids on campus, I think we've been very creative in our recruiting uh, plan and how we've done virtual tours and, uh, you know, just uh, Zoom calls, daily Zoom calls. Uh, I didn't know what Zoom was. Zoom to me was a dribble handoff, Greg, (laughs) is what we call the dribble handoff. So, you know, now that we're, uh, you know, out there pretty much every day making calls with you know, not only with this year's class, who we're really excited about, but next year, uh, 2022 kids, which we are now able to contact by rules. So, you know, just all about building relationships right now. And when, when we are able to get these kids on campus, uh, we feel really good because we've already built a very solid foundation and a very solid relationship with these kids and their families. I can't wait to hear you call
1: out Skype or Zoom. So one of your formations or one of your plays during the season this year. All right, let's go to the phones. Andrew in Bellevue, you're up with Coach Hoyberg.
3: Hey, Coach, I was just wondering, it's been a running joke now for a few years at Nebraska, would never be able to land a uh, center prospect in recruiting. I'm just wondering if you feel with the additions of Derek and um, you know Yvonne having a year under his belt, if you feel like we're going to be able to match up better with – those big front courts that we go up against in the Big Ten, like at the Iowa's and the Wisconsin's. Um, And then a quick second question. I was wondering if, Ivan, Ivan, if you can comment on his offensive development. It seems like last year if he could just finish around the hoop and make some bunnies, he would have probably doubled his scoring average. So I'll just hang up and uh, let you answer those two questions for me. Thanks.
4: Yeah, I appreciate the call, Andrew. I'll I'll first of all talk about matching up. I I do think just with the uniqueness of this roster and the versatility of this roster, uh, we will be able to match up uh, with certain lineups. I think we'll be able to spread them out on the other end as well uh, and hopefully take advantage of players to take the big away from the basket. Uh, You know, we had great success, you know, going back to my years at uh, Iowa State with George and Yang, who a lot of times I would play at the five, and then you'd bring a guy like Jeff Withey away from the basket where he's one of the top shot blockers or, you know, great defensive presence in the paint. And when you have a guy that can stretch the floor and pull him away from the basket, that opens up all kinds of things for driving uh, lanes, you know, create hopefully better shooting percentage at the rim, uh, and then hopefully be able to knock down some shots or create a long closeout that we can attack. Uh, So I do feel good about that. And also Eduardo, as, as he continues to get stronger, I do think Uh, that he's got a chance to have an impact on the floor with his size that we just didn't have on this roster. So, you know, experience with Derek, Ivan getting a year older, uh, Eduardo, you know, being able to play maybe a smaller lineup. And the thing I'm excited about with the smaller lineup, you can play Lat at 6'9", with Delano at 6'8", with Trey at 6'5", with Thor at 6'6", with Teddy at 6'6", and you've got a pretty versatile defensive lineup out there as well. Uh, You might be able to switch Uh, you know, all over the court and, you know, front uh, on the post when when you do have uh, a mismatch on that end. You know, obviously, we've got a lot of double-team schemes ready to go. Uh, It's always been the thing that Doc has been one of the signatures of his defensive system is, you know, double-team in the post where hopefully create some turnovers or at least get the ball out of the big's hands. Uh, As far as Ivan offensively, he is better. Uh, There's no doubt about that. I think a big part of that is because he's more explosive, uh, he's shooting the ball, knock on wood, but he has shot free throws uh, much better. He's worked extremely hard, and he continues to work hard uh, in that area. So, you know, you never really know until you get out there in, uh, in front of, uh, you know, that are against a different group of guys and, you know, when it's for real. But we do feel much better uh, about Ivan going into year two, and I think he's a much more confident player. Do you feel like you'll be a more man-to-man team? You had some success last year when you threw the zone in there a few times. Yeah, we, we did play a little zone. Uh, you know, some of that, Greg, just because of the personnel that we had, we were, we were forced uh, to do that just because we were so small uh, across the board. Uh, we have it ready, and, and when you have length, it does generally make a zone defense more effective. Uh, you know, we had you know, times where we had to steal possessions, and we're going to certainly have that again this year, especially with the skill and, uh, the um, you know, how good the, the league is. So, you know, we're, we're prepared for, for different things. And, you know, again, we've had a lot of time, so we have put some different things in there that hopefully uh, can keep, team, uh, keep teams off balance. Okay, one more text
1: before we hit to a break. Any idea if we're going to get a matchup with Creighton this year?
4: Uh, we are working towards that, and, you know, again, hopefully we'll get that out here uh, in the next uh, in the next day, but, you know, I'm fairly confident that we will play that game. You've been playing,
1: the, 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 the league schedule's been 20 games, is that probably where you're going to land with the conference games? Is that what you anticipate?
4: Yeah, as of right now, Greg, that is what I anticipate, is that we will play 20 league games. Okay, all right. Can't uh, Why can't they just go to 24 or
1: 26? That wouldn't be bad, right? Play more con- – <laughs> that's, a, that's a real – that is so hard. And this league is so un- unforgiving. Night in and night out. It is a battle in Big Ten play.
4: It's a challenge of it. Yeah, it, it is. There's no doubt about it. Shoot 20 games is, uh, huh. is hard enough. And, <laughs> you know, I, it's top to bottom. I think the best the league uh, was a year ago, and I think it's going to be even better this year. You look at all those players that – uh, put their name in the draft and a lot of those guys came back to school. Uh, so it's it's going to be, I think, three or four teams in the top 10 in the preseason rankings. Uh, you know, there was 10, uh, 12 of the 14 that were in the top 50 in net a year ago. So, you know, it's it's going to be incredibly competitive uh it's going to be difficult but it's going to be fun you know you want to play against the best and, and we're certainly going to see that on a nightly basis once we start league play oh it's just a monster speaking of the draft it's tomorrow night the timberwolves have the number one pick and insight inside who are they gonna take with that pick tomorrow night i texted uh so gerson <laughs> rosas is, is the general manager of the timberwolves a very good friend of mine uh in fact when i was in the front office with the Timberwolves, and I was the assistant GM there, uh, Gerson was the assistant GM with the Houston Rockets, and he and I would put together the largest uh, pre-draft workout where all 30 teams would attend, and it was in Minnesota, and we would have to call the agents and put the groups together. The way it works is you can put groups of six, uh, and we would get two workouts, one in the morning, and then we'd have one in the afternoon, and then set times aside for interviews for the kids with, with certain teams. Uh, but he, I'm, I'm excited for him. He's, he's an unbelievable person. Uh, he's, uh, he's really, really good at what he does, and I, re- I think he's going to get that Timberwolves team going uh, in the right direction. Ryan Saunders, the coach, I played for his dad, Flip, uh, really good person and, and a great basketball mind, so I'm, I'm always rooting for those guys. Wow, what a couple of hours of Sports Only
1: tonight, huh? You talk about star-studded. Bill Moose for hour one. Fred Hoiberg for hour number two. Great stuff as we welcome Ben McLaughlin. He thought you were going to get the whole night off? No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. We saved saved you for the best last hour.
5: Yeah, following up Bill Moose and Fred Hoiberg. Not now, everybody. I can hear the radios <laughs> turning on
1: right now, just to just to hear my me and my thoughts. Woo. Um, I, man, he, he uh, Coach Hoiberg still teasing us. He goes, oh, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow that non-conference schedule is going to come out. I, people are just – can't wait. I can't wait to see this thing. I feel like as long as the teams are somewhat aware and maybe it's not
5: complete public knowledge yet, that that's where my frustration would lie if, is if I was a coach. You know, it sounds like they've been given some direction, it's just not public yet, so – that makes me feel a little bit better, you know, hearing from Coach today kind of talk about it. I think they they have been told some things. I don't think they've been completely left in the dark. But, yeah, now
1: from just a, a selfish standpoint, I'm ready to see what it looks like. No doubt. And he was pretty upbeat about his team, and I think that's rightfully so. He spent a lot of time in the gym with them since they, caught, they were given the ability to do some of those workouts in late June, early July, and then they've been full board practices since the 14th, I like what I hear him saying. I just cannot wait to see it myself. I, I'm so anxious for that. I know Husker fans are as well. It's always, always so fun to hear from Bill Moose, the Husker Athletic Director. He's always very candid, very open about things. And uh, I, I, I notice now that I'm on Twitter after doing those last two hours that um, a lot of stories already po- posted about what Bill Moose had to say during hour one.
5: I mean, in a day and an age where we're not given a lot of information really on anything to to, to have an athletic director that's willing to come on and answer questions and, and talk to us, um, you know, about what's going on. I'm imagining, you know, what, what would potentially be, um, you know, if we had some of the other guys that had that title, you know, in recent years, what, what we must be feeling because it was hard to get, um, you know, people in the past to talk with us about what was going on in their own department, let alone during a pandemic. So I'm really thankful now to have Bill Bill Moose as a part of Nebraska athletics, because uh, we're not getting a ton from our conference. And what we are getting seems to be from our own people. So I'm thankful and grateful for that to where, you know, they're, they're willing to come on here for an hour uh, a month and, and just talk about what's happening and, you know, their thoughts on things and, and, you know, he talking about things like the recruiting classes and, you know f- first game in the stadium all those things that that have happened you know i'm i'm just i'm just thankful that he's willing to do that to come on here and you know
1: share what he does know with us one of the questions that came down our text line for bill was about husker baseball or at least big 10 baseball and he said there may be some finality to that here in the week or so as they continue to meet about that but he also didn't didn't dismiss the thought that it could just be a conference only that would be so disappointing uh, for that sport, that you can't keep your your midweek games with like the Creightons and the K States and the UNOs that are just a bus ride and really shouldn't put anybody in danger. I, that would really disappoint me if that's the direction that the league goes. And as as the 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 text question said, it's so uh, irregular. I mean, you didn't allow any non conference in football. You're going to allow it in basketball. But then you're not going to allow it for the spring sports? That, that's, that's where I think the fans, and rightfully so, Ben, get confused. I mean, if you're going to just have a consistent policy, fine. But it's been anything but that from this conference.
5: Well, think about the difference between football and basketball and then ba- and then football and baseball. There are so many college baseball teams, so much more college baseball teams than there are college football teams and more basketball than there is football. So... That you can regionalize it a lot easier, you know. Nebraska football, there isn't a lot of schools around here that you can bus to, um, that that make a lot of sense uh, or have teams bus here. There's there's a few you could probably map out a handful, but with baseball, there's there's all kinds of schools that you could schedule, um, you know, and you have the benefit of not leaving the state. This is the only sport that you wouldn't have to leave the state for, um, for for major men's sports other than hoops has Creighton, but for Football, there's there's not that option. For baseball, there's there's a few. And you know, to just take that completely off the table, but say, you know, you have to fly to Penn State, you have to fly to Maryland, you have to fly to Rutgers, or wherever it may be. And to to think that that's safe, but it's not safe to hop on a bus and drive to Creighton. I feel like if if they are going to um, implement restrictions on scheduling, just put them a, put a, a, a mileage you know limit on it. You know, if you're however many miles away from campus and can bus it, then you can schedule them. If not, then you can't. I don't, I don't know how you do it, but there, that's one way I thought of in five seconds, that you could try and avoid this situation. Um, I just – yeah, I mean, it's, it's opportunities taken away from the teams. And if safety is, is truly your priority, having teams fly commercially from Lincoln to State College when you got to go to three airports to do it um, with chances of, of catching the virus, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: No, it doesn't, and I understand, and Bill mentioned the cost savings. I get that, and I think we all realize that those early season trips to California and Texas and Arizona that Nebraska traditionally does in baseball were probably going to come off the table because of cost-cutting measures, and everybody's pinching pennies right now because they're not getting the income from ticket sales this year during the virus. I think we all had kind of come to – Realize that wasn't going to happen. But if you could bus somewhere and play a series in late February, early March, I, I don't know why. I, I just don't know why you prevent people from doing that. But they didn't ask you or me. Uh, they're making decisions. And, and but again, this to me, you're, if you want to have a blanket policy for 2021 that no sport plays a non-conference matchup, fine. But you're picking and choosing which sports you're going to allow that to happen. That doesn't seem right to me. Didn't seem right in football when we weren't allowed to go play Tennessee Chattanooga. Doesn't seem right if they don't allow any of that to take place in baseball as well. We're going to get into a practice report coming up here in a little bit. Uh, Both coordinators met with the media today. uh, And I guess the biggest story is that some black shirts were handed out. We don't know who, but... I I think that's okay. I think that the way that defense kind of saved that game on Saturday, Ben. I think this was the right time to go ahead and do that. Yeah, and Penn State hadn't scored an offensive touchdown,
5: you know, until second half. I thought they played a really good first half. Um, I know they they let up a lot of yards in that second half, and um, you know the comeback was on. But you know to really bow up and make the plays when they needed to, you know that that won the game, and that 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 to me is is worthy of saving a game is worthy of 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 the black shirts i think the coaches agreed to that as well so you know we don't know who who received them uh but we know they were handed out and we know that um you know the, the standard of play has been has been set so to speak and now they know what what they need to match every week you know to to get to that performance so yeah that was um i don't know entirely unexpected it was unexpected maybe to not hear who got them but I understand Coach Shenander's reasoning and you know hopefully they can replicate that performance against
1: Illinois this week. Yeah, I'll be curious to see and I'm sure it'll leak out which which Huskers got the black shirts but um, there were a bunch of them from Saturday. Mark this mute comes to mind. Jojo Doman, Colin Miller, Will Honus. Those guys all come to mind as guys that played outstanding football games for the Cornhuskers. But, uh, need to start turning the page. we got to start thinking about the Illini and getting ready for them coming into town. And the biggest change for Illinois football in my eyes is Lovey smith got rid of the beard. He shaved that bad boy off. Kind of miss that thing. <laughs> that was, that was definitely something. It was definitely a talking
5: point. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll, it, you know, wearing a mask anyway would cover some of that up, but you know, it would be, uh, it would be, it, you know, that I think there are a lot of people out there that probably miss the lovey beard.
0: Every practice.
3: We're gonna work on it every single day until these guys master it.
0: All season long.
3: There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's
0: time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Coordinator
5: Day for the Big Red following practice today, offensive. Brought coordinator you by J-Tech, Matt, right. Bit. And yes, of course, <laughs> and defensive coordinator. Eric Shenander um, meeting with members of the media. So uh, we should remind you, tell your good bit about our good friends at Jtech since we're on the subject. Football is back, and soon the cold weather will be too. If your windows aren't ready for winter, call Tech Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers for a free estimate. The, the, uh, the official offensive expert of the Huskers – is offensive coordinator Matt Lubick. And his first question was about quarterback Luke McCaffrey, how he feel like he did in his first start against Penn State.
6: I thought he did a good job. You know, at the end of the day, we won the football game. That's the most important thing. He helped us win the game. Uh, You know, as as a first starting quarterback, your first game, you're always going to get better. And there's things that that he can do better, like we all, there's things we can coach better. But for a first game coming out there and being calm and making some big-time plays at crucial times, I thought he did a great job. So McCaffrey making his first start, one of a handful of
5: young players out there. There were uh, at times, um, you know, more than eight freshmen on the field for Nebraska offensively. How does Coach Lubick handle the offense with so many young players out there?
6: We had two things. Well, number one, I think at one time we had eight guys on the field. We forget about that, but uh, which is exciting because we know they have great futures ahead of them. Um, you definitely don't change your standards because at the end of the day, we're going out there to win. We're going to play the best players, whether they're freshmen or whether they're seniors, and so they, they got to know what the standards are, and we got to demand their best. But at the same time, uh, we got to build their confidence. That's a big thing with freshmen is is put them in situations where they can succeed. And I don't I don't know if patience is the word, but I'd say more positivity, uh, making them understand, hey, these are the things, and, and you can do it, and being positive about it. Uh, I think you can still be demanding but positive, and that's what we always try to do as coaches. Greg, in your estimation, how much
5: has the three games helped some of these players, um, and and how much more, I guess, learning will it take? How many more games do you do you think it will take for, for this to not be as much of a process?
1: I think we're getting close. I think you get four or five games into a season, then – If you're freshmen and have gotten new players, and you can put junior college players in there and transfer players in the program, once they have three, four games under their belt, they should be settled in. So I I think we're close to that point now. Obviously, they're going to get better and learn more things. But, you know, as I look at Xavier Betts and and Marcus Fleming and, and on defense, Feldarius Payne, and some of those new guys on that side of the ball, yeah i think that that's should be starting to go out the window don't you i mean I, I think now you've gotten your feet wet you've been in competition you've been in battle so far i i think that's probably going to go by the wayside here real quick i think it's probably different
5: for every player but you know i, I you know in, in generalizing things i would agree probably half to three quarters of the way through the season you know that you would think the speed is starting to slow down and they're starting to grasp things a, a little bit more um on the interception that Luke threw, he was hit. The ball popped up in the air. It looked like Austin Allen was wide open on a wheel route. It, this question was kind of combined with a growing concern of a lot of fans, which is the lack of throws downfield. And Coach Lubick shed a little light on that today.
6: Yeah, we, we thought – yeah, he got, um, he got hit right when he was throwing. We thought we had – it was a wheel route. We thought we had the wheel, and I think it would have been a completion – um, you never know. The corner was kind of coming off. But yeah, we did think we had one. And we, we took some shots downfield, you know, especially early on. The, the biggest thing about this game, when we uh, got up early, um, that kind of changed our mindset, too. You know, We wanted, we didn't want to go three and out. We still want to take our shots, but we also wanted to control the clock a little bit. And our defense did a fantastic job and uh, take away some of their possessions, one, by controlling the clock and being able to run the ball, Um, and and just being smart play calling wise. Uh, I think the worst thing you can do sometimes when you're up by 25 points is just, you still wanna do your offense and you still wanna pick and choose your shots, but you don't wanna put your defense out there without taking any time off the clock. Um, So clock management does come into play in those situations, but when we do call shots, we had, and and these guys were a good defensive football team too. I mean, they make it hard to sit back there. That's one thing we notice as coaches when we study them, is going into the game. Quarterbacks just don't sit back there and wait for routes to develop. Uh, you you got to have shots where it's either there or there's a layoff, and that's always part of our thought process anyway as coaches. And th- these guys do a really good job of putting pressure on the quarterback too. Some further
1: insight. What's your concern level on on the downfield passing right yeah, now? Yeah, I, I just I I don't know that. It keeps saying we took shots, and I I don't I don't remember that many Ben and and. I, <laughs> I you know I know you got to loosen defenses up a little bit, and we have played good defense. That was a really good Penn State defense, I, and I you know I'm not I don't know that people quite realize how talented that football team was that, that Nebraska beat on Saturday. And I know they've got issues, and they've got some turnover issues with the quarterback who that they took out of the game. But maybe we just haven't felt like we can we can out athlete some teams down the field yet with some of these defenses we play. But I, I still want to see us throw it down there a few times just to loosen things up a little bit and if it
5: doesn't happen this week you, you wonder if it's ever going to happen I mean Rutgers and Noah Vedral took a bunch of shots downfield some of which he probably shouldn't have but their secondary has been just exposed this year so this needs to be a good week for the passing game to really ramp things up one number that is very alarming is the second half scoring totals I want to say Fifty-six to six, 59 to six, something like that. Through three games, Nebraska has been outscored by their opponents in the second half. How much does Coach Lubick look at that number and 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 talk about it and, and try and fix that, or is it just something that you know progresses depending on e- each game individually?
6: I think anytime you don't score points, you could always point to you can execute better. Um, you know, I think that question is interesting. Yeah, I think part of it you got to look at the. Uh, what the situation was you know we come out of halftime and you're up by 30 points you play a little bit differently as if you're down by 30 points as far as just your mindset scoring points the whole deal so i think each each game is different i know um you know ohio state we came out in the first drive of the game and scored these guys would come out in the first drive of the game and scored uh northwestern we came out in the first drive drove it all the way down had a penalty um but we're in we're in uh, field goal touchdown range so our our whether it's the first possession of a game or the first possession of the second half, there's not a lot of difference. I mean, at second half, you do go in, you make adjustments, uh, what has been working, what hasn't, why. You talk about it really fast. But you also stick to your guns. Hey, we game plan this. This is what they're showing. This is what we still need to call. And that's, that's basically it, you know, as far as what the, the coach's mindset. Um, but, yeah, we like to score the ball every time, score, every time we have the ball in the second half. There's, there's no question.
5: What do you make of that? I mean, I, it's not good. Doesn't doesn't take a, a football analyst to tell you that the, the the scale is tipping in the wrong direction there. Um, do you feel like
1: it's a game by game thing, or do you feel like it's a common theme from from each of the games collectively? Three games hard to just say it's an anomaly, right? I mean that that that's been the worry. Um, they've had chances, remember? You know the two red they've had. At Ohio State, a drive that ended inside the five that they had to kick the field goal. That should have been a touchdown drive. You threw two picks in the end zone against Northwestern. There was certainly opportunities to score a lot more points in that second half. There weren't really many opportunities Saturday. You had the one drive where you got three. That was really the only time the offense got something going. And... The momentum completely had shifted to Penn State by the fourth quarter of that game on Saturday, and it was hang-on mode. There's no doubt it was. So, yeah, you, you can't sit here and say you're not concerned about it because that, that would be a flat fib. you gotta be got to be nervous. you got to hope that there's a fire lit and that they come out and do something this, this, this week against Illinois in the second half. So, I, yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little concerned about it after three games. Three good defenses Nebraska has faced so far
5: with Ohio State, Northwestern, and Penn State. I think I think good for different reasons. I think Northwestern, not as talented, better discipline, better scheme, better plan, better execution. Penn State, Ohio State, more talented. Um, so I think they're different in, in those areas, but... Coach Lubick was asked today if he can put any stock or, or have confidence in telling the guys, "Look, you face the best in the league," or is it still a situation where you know you you know you're preparing for every opponent the same way and you know got to respect every opponent, or do you use the fact that those three opponents were really good on the defensive side of the ball? Well,
6: I think you're exactly right. We played three great defenses, uh, especially you know even including the one last week might have been the most athletic defense out of, out of them all. Uh, but at the same time, in in this league, the big challenge that our guys got to understand that every defense is good. And if, if you don't come prepared to play, I mean, it, every team in this league can beat you. And every defense in this league can, can create problems. So you really do got to treat it as a faceless opponent um, and prepare the same way each week, which is number one doing the best we can do and, and doing our job, which means no penalties, lining up right, not turning the ball over, and executing. And, and then specifically, find that our plan of attack, of how we're going to attack each defense. Each defense, each defense is a little bit different. But in, in this league, they're all good defenses. And the one coming up is, is a darn good defense. So you've you got to be real careful. I mean, Our guys know that we played three good defenses. There's no question. But they also know that I don't think there's an easy defense on the schedule. And so you've got to prepare that way, too.
5: Well, I appreciate you know him, and, and I think you do have to prepare that way. I don't think he's telling us a lie, but I also think, Greg, my expectations for the offensive, offense this week has skyrocketed. From what I've seen from Illinois, this needs to be a confidence-boosting yeah. week for Nebraska's offense. They need to go put up a bunch of yards. They need to put up a bunch of points and they need to get some of these young guys going. This is the week to get Marcus Fleming confidence. This is the week to get Ronald Tompkins going. This is the week that you get some of these guys going and you know, you're know you lighting up that board a little bit because Illinois still will hit you. I mean, uh, watching that game with Rutgers back, they'll still come up and pop you. They did that with Rutgers a few times, but they allow so many big plays. They allow a lot of um, one-on-one routes to, to let your wide receivers go win. I think my expectation this week for the offense is is pretty high, and that's probably the first time I've, I've said that this year.
1: I agree. Everybody's pretty well moved it on Illinois in their first four games, and this should be a week where the offense can control the Illini and have drives, finish drives, gain some confidence. Uh, yeah, th- this should be the week. This is not a premier defense. It's a hard-hitting one, and it's structurally pretty sound because Lovey's a defensive guy. But this, they just don't have the talent level of the teams we've played to this point in time. So this should be a week where you get healthy a little bit and some confidence. Flipping over to the defensive side of the football, Eric Shenander,
5: Nebraska defensive coordinator, meeting with members of the media today. And the story of the day was the black shirts. Here's what he had to say.
7: Um, I, I did. We did give out some black shirts this week. Uh, I thought the guys, you know, they, they finally practiced the way we wanted them to last week. And, and you know, we had a... A pretty good performance, and the black shirts need to set a new standard. Um, to be honest with you, you know, if you wanna if you wanna ask the guys about it, that's fine. I think that we, we live in a in a world where um, the black shirts mean more to me than than me- social media, and Twitter doesn't have to know about everything. and um, you know, and I think it's a special thing right now, and I think, you know, if you want to ask those kids about who got them, that's great. Um, but right now it's a, it's it's an, it's an in-house kind of situation where um, this tradition just means more to me than, than having to put everything on social media right now.
1: What's your take on
7: that hmm. approach?
5: Hmm.
1: I don't know. I mean, I, we get into this every year, don't we, on the black shirts? When are they going to be handed out? Why weren't they handed mm-hmm. out earlier? How, what, what made the decision to hand them out? It's, it's like we debate this every fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I get where he's coming from. Um, I also don't know that it's just a – I mean, I think it's an honor to get those, so why not say who got them? I mean, I, I'd, maybe this even put out a release. These five, seven, eight, whatever it was, Huskers received black shirts today because it's going to get publicized and it's going to get glorified. So why not, why not do that a little bit? I, maybe you're all different on this, but that's kind of where I'm at. I I completely understand where he's coming from.
5: To where on a Zoom call he's asked about it, and he says, "Okay, this person, this person, this person." Then you've got 47 media members across the state just tweeting out the names. I understand Nebraska wanting to be the ones that control that, but why not put have your video team go to work? They do such a great job. We saw the video that they put out today, which is absolutely amazing. By the way, we can talk about that later on. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But, you know, I think, um, you know, you've got such a talented team over there. Why not put it in your own hands and tweet it out yourself? And, and you know, let maybe they do that this week. Maybe they, they, they send those guys over to practice and and you put some production value to it. And you, it's more than just, you know, media members across the state tweeting out the list of names. And you've got a little bit more control. Maybe that's what he meant. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's more to it than that. But I do understand where he's coming from. But I also understand um you know people want to know who it is and they want to know what they look like and you know black shirt day is is always an inevitable d-day when it comes to our to our media and and when it happens and and the fans asking about it as well all right let's uh let's continue along here with with uh, the dc and coach shenander was asked a little bit about his defensive line rotation and how that's gone so far and and really what that looks like
7: yeah i think it's kind of what we've always wanted to get to um Mm -hmm. You know, a, a big contributing factor, and that is uh, just developing depth on our football team. Um, you know, there's been there's been times in, in our, our tenure that we've had to leave a lot of guys out there for a lot of snaps. And I, I truly believe that the more guys you can play in a football game, um, the better each one of them plays. You know, there's certain guys, obviously, that you want out there for more snaps than others. But usually when that, that starter, whoever your starter is, even if he's a, a pro bowler or whatever, he's not going to play as good on rep seven as, a, as the next guy will be on his play one so we want to try to keep those guys fresh um like i said developing depth another reason is there's guys that have earned the right to play through their practice habits um and just what they've done when they've got their chances in the football game and you know i I really like it right now because it's it's creating a you know very very uh energetic competitive spirit in practice guys are hungry for reps and you know some of the older guys know that the boogeyman's coming to get them if uh if they don't do their job because these young guys are really pushing the envelope right now so it's developing a, a good sense of, uh, of of competition and practice but once again those guys have earned the right to play um, and, and like you said there's certain packages we want to deploy versus certain personnel groups the offense is putting out there down and distance specific and all those types of things um, so just the more things we can do with those guys and the more they understand the better we're going to be on defense.
5: I'm going to miss some Greg but there, there was probably as many nine, as nine defensive linemen out there against Penn State. I saw Damian Jackson out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Feldarius Payne is getting more and more snaps. Um, you know, just the, the amount. Keem Green got a, got a handful of snaps. And this is aside from the rulers. I mean, when you see thirty eight Damian Jackson out there and Keem Green and you know Jordan Riley, whenever it is that he's healthy, th- there's just so many names that you can throw out there to keep guys fresh and. As Coach Chin said, the competition in
1: practice is you can't take a day off when you're out there working, or you're going to get passed. And that's how you survive 91 snaps, like they did, and you get stops late because you still had some fresh legs or legs that weren't just completely gassed. Don't know about DeAndre Thomas who got hurt last week. I don't know if that. I don't think that came up today, uh, but that was another guy that was getting snaps and then he got hurt. That looked like a bit of a dirty play, did it not? Uh. Yeah,
5: that guy for Penn State had two plays like that yeah. that entire drive and I didn't want to completely bury him on the broadcast without watching those plays back a, a couple of times but really dirty play on Deontre pinning his yeah. leg back and then jumping on top of him. Then he had the then he was the one the same guy that had the 15-yard penalty a few plays later. Right. So clearly the frustration started boiling over and I yeah, I wasn't a fan of that guy at all, particularly in that drive.
1: It was like a yeah, WWE
5: a move on what yeah. he put on DeAndre. Right, and then, and then landed on him with all of his weight while his knee buckled back. Yeah, not, not, not going to be a fun play to watch back in film. You mentioned 91 plays. JoJo Doman played in every single one of them. Coach Shenander talked about JoJo Doman playing within the defense and how much he's grown in that area.
7: Yeah, he's he's done uh, he's done a really nice job of, of playing within the system. Uh, and he's taken steps in the right direction. I still think the ceiling's high for him. I still think you haven't necessarily seen the, the best version of Jojo Doman that you can. Um but he's playing really good football right now and he's uh he's doing his job. He's he's he hasn't he hasn't been uh you know going rogue or anything like that. He's he's playing within the defense and he's making the plays when his number's called. Um and I think, you know, when you're a really good football player, that's what you do. You 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 help other other people, other teammates make plays when their number's called and then when your number gets called you make one. Um but I still don't think we've any of us have seen the, the ceiling on JoJo Doman yet.
5: He is a really fun guy to watch back when you rewatch games, Greg. His ability to miss blockers to get around blockers that are way bigger than him his ability to get down the line of scrimmage flat to the line of scrimmage on running plays his ability to read plays on zone reads i mean he is just such a heady football player and there are things that he does that you just can't really teach that are just football instincts that allow him to be involved as much as he is on defense he i
1: think he can play in the league ben i think he's a bit of a cross between luke gifford and Nate Gary I think he's kind of a little bit of both um and so I think there's a spot for him like much of the way Nate has kind of carved out a spot with the Eagles I think Jojo can do that as well he can get to the quarterback but he can also drop back and cover tight ends and those type of things I, I think he's a he's become and I I, don't, I think the coach is right too I don't think he's I don't think he's topped out I think he can continue to get better Let's finish out with a
5: thought on Illinois because it's been an interesting couple of weeks in the Illini cap with COVID. Brandon Peters, our quarterback, was out. Uh, They had to start freshman Isaiah Williams from the Missouri area. He carried it 31 times against Rutgers. Peters is a drop-back, pro-style quarterback. Um, Coach Shenander talked about the differences in preparation this week and and getting ready for those two guys.
7: Yeah, and I don't think it's – you know it's not like a whole grade uh switch in their offense you know obviously there's different tweaks when number one's in the football game and when peter's in the football game there's different tweaks involved so we've got to just tweak our scheme a little bit but you know like i told you guys before i think you know we see a, a running quarterback quite a bit you know obviously we've seen adrian and luke quite a bit and logan smothers um, so we've we've got some uh, experience defending the quarterback run uh, our guys know that Things are going to change a little bit depending on who's in the football game. Um, but they've also got to get ready for anything. I, I don't think, um, you know, it's not like when, when Isaiah Williams is in there, he's, he's not going to throw the football. And it's not like when Peters is not He can pull the ball and make you pay now. He, he can run the football too. So I think you got to be ready for the whole package. Just, just you know, understand the, tw- the tweaks that are going in when each guy gets in the football
5: game. I don't know that I would say that, <laughs> watching it back. Isaiah Williams uh, is a run he is first a guy. He, he yeah. wants to yeah. run. Even on third and long, he wants to run. Uh, even on his pass, I think I think speaking of lack of downfield throws, I, I maybe counted two or three uh, against Rutgers. He, he wants to run. Peters wants to throw. Can they do both? Yeah. Are, are they good at both? No. no. So uh, – they will need to be aware of who's out there because Illinois'
1: offensive game plan will change based on who's out there. Remember how big a deal it was when when they landed Isaiah Williams? He was a highly, highly rated kid coming out of high school. I think he was a four-star. Yeah. Uh, and he can move. I mean, you run for 190 in a Big Ten game, that uh, Rutgers or anybody, that was a heck of a game he put on last week for them. And But now I think they probably start Peters, but they'll have packages for Williams to come in and – Absolutely. It, as a defensive coordinator, you completely change your calls depending on which guys getting that snap on Saturday. Hundred percent. Yeah, and especially
5: wa- walking, watching that back. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's clear. It's clear what they want to <laughs> do when those guys are out there. Yeah. Good stuff.
1: Always fun hearing from the coordinators. It's the only time during yes. the week we get to hear from those two guys. So good, good stuff there. That's our J practice report.